Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Bald Move Television, where the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. And for the next few weeks, uh, we're going to be kind of narrowing our focus down to a pretty broad topic. It's uh, HBO's The Deuce. Um, And we're talking about episode 302. Help me out the title, Jim. I need your Italian blood. Oh shit! Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Morta, Morta di, di fame. Fame. Okay, yeah. Is that how you say it? It means hunger the dead, uh, uh, and and it's basically just describing an utterly useless, stupid person who can't, who doesn't have the skills to even put food in their mouth. Well, I so I I, I did some research into it too, and I guess the literal translation is dying from starvation, which I think is used in that context in the episode but it's also uh the one that i saw says it's an insult for someone who'd do anything for money like a fame grabber a money grubber yeah um which could describe several people in the show Mm -hmm. Uh, and also people at a post confirmation buffet yeah i I got it all wrong i wasn't looking at my notes it's dead of hunger dead of hunger is what it means yeah uh, what did you? The first thing Hunger you said of the is, Dead, which okay, I think like, is just a George Romero. I movie. think that's an Italian zombie film you've actually seen. It is, seen. yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> what did you think of this episode? Uh, I think it's great. I think like seeing the uh, it's a full on attack on the Deuce right now uh, from from every angle. Like yeah. the the and, and it even extends to the West Coast, which is weird to say about the Deuce, but like yeah. the 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 porn sets are getting busted up, the clubs are getting busted up. They're investigating property owners now. Like they're really going to every length to try and shut this place down, mm-hmm. and you see the pressures. You see the walls closing in on everybody. Yeah, I mean, there's there's pestilence, there's corruption, there's crime, mm-hmm. there's graft and greed. Uh, it is interesting because one of the things I wondered last uh, last year, last episode, was how are they going to integrate Lori into the plot because she's off in the West Coast. They're just not gonna. Yeah. Uh, like her. Uh, it, it, it's it's interesting because they all felt like of a piece, but it's very rare that you get an A and B plot that have not seemingly nothing to do with one another. Now, thematically, mm-hmm. of course, they're connected. Right. Um. And I thought it's interesting because like the first time we saw the L.A. porn set, you know, around the pool and everybody's you know very tan and the makeup is really nice and you got natural lighting. I'm like, oh man, big difference from the West Coast to the East Coast. Mm. And then like 30 seconds later, my notes like, nope, nope, same thing, same thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just it's just got brighter lights and yep. maybe a little bit more money behind it. Um, and I think that's that's interesting. That fact that you've got this character that's marooned in mm-hmm. her own little plot, but yet it does tie thematically back to the main thing uh before we get any further i want to stop and do a little bit of housekeeping on behalf of bald move uh it's big big week for us uh cecily and i are kicking off our coverage of american horror story 1984 starts this week premieres tonight on wednesday and we'll have a pot out breaking down the insanity each and every friday if you want in on that action search for american horror story podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or subscribe at baldmove.com also, our Rick and Morty coverage continues. We talked this week about episode 302, Rick Mansing the Stone, with The Hollywood Reporter's Aaron Couch. Uh, next week, my television critic hero, Alan Suppenwall from Rolling Stone, will be breaking down Pickle Rick with us. Jim, I'm so excited. Oh, I know. I'm so excited. I know. I'm vibrating over here. Uh, we're also only a couple weeks away from Mr. Robot coming back for its fourth and final season. Uh, we'll be spinning up our preview podcast soon, so subscribe to 2-Bit Encryption if you're a Mr. Robot fan, uh, if you'd like. And you can send any pre-feedback you have for season four to robot at baldmove.com. 
over on the Bald Movies feed, we last week considered It Chapter 2. This week, Jim and I will be seeing Ad Astra, uh, the new Brad Pitt vehicle that uh, is about space and science fiction. Pretty excited about it. And then Cecily and I are sneaking out to see Downton Abbey, the movie. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. <laughs> That's going to be amazing. Uh, and don't forget, Lunch with Jim and Aaron for club members every Friday, all Friday, 24 hours Friday. That's not true. It's about an hour and a half. Uh, but it's on Fridays for club members. That's what's going on here at baldmove.com this week. Uh, shall we just get right into it? Sure. It's a very bleak season. Like, before, the other thing is like, um, there's almost no funny business. The, the, the funniest thing is, I guess, uh, Bobby's toupee and his <laughs> I mean, being yeah. deathly afraid of the consequences of his actions. Yeah, I, I, that's funny. I find some of Frankie's stuff funny, like when he meets with the King of Porn. Uh, that scene cracked me up. Right, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Just so many good lines in there yeah. that get your dick so hard, a cat can't scratch you. Like, <laughs> I, I, I intuitively understand that, but yeah. it's a weird way to say it, Frankie. Diamond. Di- you, get, you get diamond dick. Uh, and, and and he's like talking about, I was making fake real, this is real real, you understand right, me? Like, right, Yeah, Frankie's yeah. great. Yeah, uh, and again, that's something I, f- I forgot to mention, but I think it's a testimony that like the first season or two, like a lot of times we'd remark about um, what an amazing job they do with uh, Vincent and Frankie uh, that's played by the same guy, but they you don't even question the fact that they're two individual people. Yeah. And this episode like blurred that to the point where like they had a kiss, like a brotherly kiss. Yeah. And I'm like... Uh, the first time it didn't, I didn't even rec- it didn't even register as like that was a trick or something. And the second time I'm like, <laughs> okay, the fuck did they do that? Yeah, because it's shot from the side. It's not like this over the shoulder where you could cast a, a stunt double. It's yeah. like they they show James Franco and James Franco kissing. And I fucking love the transition here because it goes right from that you know spectacle of technology mm-hmm. to Rudy talking about how technology is going to enable them to fuck the air eventually right, and it's like right yeah. that's a perfect juxtaposition because yeah. I just saw them fucking the air in the form of James Franco kissing himself like, yeah I didn't even, it's amazing solid solid uh solid analysis there I, I didn't I didn't get that one um but yeah I, I just I just again James Franco um and the makeup team the yeah. hair team the costuming but it comes down to a lot of just like body language and subtle facial expression and vocal. I mean, he's just really selling with and and you know. In contrast, though, we've seen this before with e, like Ewan McGregor mm-hmm. in like season two of Fargo, or is it season three? I guess it's season three of Fargo. Yeah, like very little, very little in the way of makeup or traditional crutches to say that these are two different identical twins. With Franco, yeah, it's just all it's just almost all performance um, mm-hmm. and and the writing. So uh, amazing. Uh, let's start with Frankie there. Um, okay. Frankie is continuing to try to build something of his own outside of the grasping influence on his wallet that is Rudy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a great scene where I I didn't I didn't know what to make of the scene where Chaz and Tina show up. Uh, there are these couple from Yonkers who are filming themselves fucking in front of the UPS guy or girl, <laughs> I think it was a woman. Um, and I kept on thinking like. Is this cringy or is this actually like is Frankie actually think this is hot? And mm. yeah, Cecily got into a conversation about like what is the appeal of amateur porn versus like real amateur porn versus like fake amateur porn? And I <laughs> I still don't quite understand it. I, I guess that we're supposed to understand that this is super hot. I mean, yeah, Frankie says as much. I mean, 
he he stumbled into like a amateur porn gold mine like but the whole time he was his performance i thought he was kind uh-huh. of like awkward and kind of like wanting to like to me it's like um if someone came to me with their podcast project and wanted me to hear it and it was bad and i was looking uh, for ways to like not completely shit on their product because everyone's first foray into something is bad but then it's like nah i think he i don't know yeah i think he liked it yeah um because it's, just... it's kind of what he's trying to go for right like it's the authentic version like it's the real real version of the fake reel he's been trying to do. It's just so weird that like the authentic sex, because this guy's wearing his giant shirt and she's like, I think mostly clothed. Like it looked like uh it looked more like uh Cinemax softcore fake, like you're not even got penetrative sex. They're just kinda he's kind of rubbing yeah. his uh his crotch against her butt. Uh, but I <laughs> but it's but it's real, I guess. So Yeah. Um I I'm worried that Frankie is trying to make his own thing his own thing a little too hard like oh yeah he's a dead man rudy man how many how many different angles can rudy be shit on from like apparently Gotti's gonna move in uh and fuck over their operation in in many ways frankie's trying to break off his own piece of his own thing i i think he might be tempting fate here yeah i it's interesting because they there's several points in this episode where I thought Rudy was going to roll traditionally gangster tough because, like, you know, we kind of thought he was cute and cuddly last season, and mm-hmm. then some dude is duct taped to a chair, about to get his brains blown out, and it was only Vincent kind of like not being a killer at his core that saved him. But here, like, another five years down, it does seem like maybe what saves Frankie is the fact that Rudy just has gone soft and is about to get ate, eaten alive by bigger, stronger, larger gangsters. And, like, Frankie can, yeah. like, like the roach that he is, kind of, like, scurry into the cracks and eke out this mail-order amateur existence of his. Uh, but they also this, showed, like... this maybe could be Frankie's path out? Because I'm thinking, okay, what's the scenario if, if Gotti moves in and these tougher gangsters, uh, these no-joke gangsters start taking over the business right yeah like vincent's got real estate yeah it's hard for him to get out yeah he's in deep frankie is kind of on the edge and i feel like this you know if he can make the deal with the porn king to distribute the tapes that he doesn't even make but that he has access to yeah he's kind of out right he doesn't need there there's no connection to to the deuce for him that's what i'm saying like it's it's kind of like when the asteroid hit and all the dinosaurs died and the little rat mammals were able to survive like you know he doesn't have because he's a fuck up and and because rudy never trusted him with anything big a piece of his own he's got this small unattached thing that might survive yeah because vincent yeah like if Gotti takes over all of his bars all the massage parlors all the people all that stuff is just going to get sucked up and they're going to be paying 15 instead of 10 or whatever but I, was that the thing so I, I i had a question about that scene where he's talking about yeah 15 percent. you're gonna have to make more mm-hmm. is that because Gotti's gonna take over because because they're or or are they like or are Rudy's current bosses like preparing for war or something? I think that's what I understand. But it's, it's which one? I, the the I, latter. That like okay. Rudy, they are trying to you know it's it's like uh, they're 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 getting on a defensive war footing, so they're like trying to build up their coffers. But gotcha. it's weird because it's undercut by Rudy being like, "I got expenses, I got expenses, we need more money." But he's also splurging on new cars and yeah. And cell phones. This that he is can't why even use. I, I have a hard time taking Rudy seriously as a gangster, because he is—he does seem to be more concerned about that stuff. He's letting Paul slide, right? Like yeah. these, and it—and it makes him a better human being, but I think it makes sure. him a worse gangster. Well, right? Because like 
I don't know if this because the thing is is like a lot of times David Simon um, and and Pecadellos, uh that's not his name. Who's this writing? George uh, Pelicanos. Pelicanos. Yes. Thank you, Pecadillos. Jesus, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I never quite because sometimes they show stuff like on the wire uh, that's like you like like grace notes from these tough people that you would just never ever expect. Just turn this fucking thing off. Sometimes they show these grace notes from these tough people that you'd never ever ever expect, mm-hmm. and like Rudy. Uh, you know, when he's talking, hey, we're going to have to do 15 set of 10. And Vincent's like kind of pushing back. He's like, hey, you know, Paul's not stealing. He's got the and like Rudy's like, yeah, I know that's some frightening shit. Paul aside, like I thought that was uncharacteristically kind of like kind and understandings. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Paul's in a tough spot and like his like his his, his profits going down because the clientele's dying off. Um, and I wasn't sure if that is, you know, like Rudy, like is uncharacteristically empathetic for a gangster or if it's like maybe they're trying to say that like maybe these guys are more human than you think or maybe they're trying to suggest that this is why rudy is getting taken out by these quote-unquote rough and tumble you know animals yeah all all possible ways to read that um i I do feel like they they try and humanize rudy um Mm. because it's easy to do a stereotype gangster Mm -hmm. um but but it's much more interesting to see one who's not just a gangster and and he is he is likable like mm-hmm. um the other point where i thought he might turn into a scary guy is when he went in and made frankie look at something yeah the way the real hitched i thought rudy gone back there and showed some of him like you know blowing some guy's brains out and being oh, like boy. this is the last guy to tried to cut me out what do you think of this <laughs> frankie but it's no he's just being like this is kitty porn. Like yeah. you're not paying attention to who you're doing business with. And because you're not doing business with me, who is a good guy, you're doing this shit. That's sickening. I mean, like that's the softest touch I've ever seen a fictionalized gangster role. Cause I'm not also, I'm not sure if Rudy is an act, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if Rudy is an actual gangster. I know. Like, I think Carmen, He's definitely like that. Isn't that uh, he, he's, that's definitely an organization. Obviously the Gotti's, yeah, our, yeah. Our, our legit organization, but um, I mean, he's I he's some kind of gangster. I mean, he's got you know bosses who live in you know marble palaces out on the island or whatever. Um, yeah, but the whole I mean, the whole episode like multiple people are warning Frankie about the situation well before like Rudy shows up. There's that scene with the family reception mm-hmm. where like you know Vincent's trying to, to tell him this, and Frankie's like, ah, you know, you're trying, you're worrying too much. And again, I would just assume Frankie's going to die, except for I do think that there is some kind of ironic possibility that he's so small time that he can survive and thrive. Yeah. Um, but I, I also, um, I don't understand. I've never understood quite the relationship between Rudy and Carmen. Carmine, are they? Is Carmine his boss? Uh, yeah, I think Car- Carmine's the 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 guy who Frankie meets up at the club with, right? uh is it i thought that's uh no that's um that's tommy longo okay who's so like tommy longo is like his like like rudy's enforcer i think rudy reports to carmine as like a capo regime and then like there's a one boss ahead of that that's the guy Mm. that like sits in the long island mansions and fucking the silk and like rudy looks down on so i think i I can't recall carmine's face he's the one that uh he met uh he he and rudy met and talked about uh oh the fuck in the air yeah, the okay, fucking yeah. air guy. There okay. you go. Yeah, I don't know what their relationship is, honestly. Yeah. And the, also, Rudy seems like old school that he doesn't deal in drugs. Was uh-huh. that, that was very shocking to me that there's a yeah. gangster in 1985 
Because that was like, I, I just assume in watching Godfather that all that shit got settled in the 70s. Like, you know, the right. gangsters are still gangster doing drugs. Maybe they're holding their nose about it. But Rudy seems like last of the the, the old, quote unquote, respectable crew. Just keeping it to the gambling, to the to the protection, to the, to the running the women. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> the respectable stuff. The, yeah, the respectable stuff. Um, and then... Uh, I don't know. I thought I, I thought that was great. I thought the 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 scene between Rudy and Frankie in the porno parlor where he reveals that he's inadvertently pushing kitty porn was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the final scene, Vincent didn't get a lot of a love and a lot of play in this episode uh, of uh, Vincent standing there at the club where they're playing that uh, water flowing. What is that song called? The you may say to yourself. I don't know. Talking Heads. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, because it's like I feel like there's like six different things a song could be called uh-huh. uh but it's that one i thought that was you know really on the nose but effective like when they kind of showed vince's face saying you may say to yourself my god what have i done <laughs> i mean you know vincent's this guy who was was hard working and honest and tried to do things the right way and he took a couple shortcuts and now he's mixed up into this thing mm-hmm. um and uh, we're gonna see it probably blow up in his face uh, shall we talk about Eileen slash Candy next? Okay. Um, she's got a new passion project. She wants to do something erotic involving the real life story of these women working the streets and being in the stars. And she's interviewing people like Melissa about, you know, how they first got into sex work. And it's like very, I mean, the way these women are matter of factly talking about these just terrible terror, like the way I would talk about detasseling corn mm-hmm. in Indiana. Like, oh, yeah, it sucks, but, you know, what it is it's normal and it's cool? And it, I, I thought that was super, super effective. Because I don't know if people know this, but you always need to detassel before you put it in your ass. Yes. Otherwise, it's painful. Yeah. It's more painful. Yeah, you, unless you're from Nebraska, Iowa, Indiana, you probably don't understand probably the don't find know. that you got to detassel before. And you also... <laughs> And this is counterintuitive. You, you, you want to put it in from the stock end. You, 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 you <laughs> okay. think the nice sharp paper, but like, you right. know, it's, uh, the, 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 yeah, it's Let's tear you it, up. There, there's a lot of a fine, fine voice to fucking <laughs> with ears of corn. Uh, we also got the, uh, Leon made an appearance. Oh yeah. You were questioning. Where I was really worried Leon, about my, yeah. my man, Leon, mm-hmm. and he's still, uh, treating the ladies right. And, uh, slinging the, slinging the breakfasts. And I hope, uh, we can get a little bit more than just a peek of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So Eileen, this episode, it's, uh, you can kind of see like a lot of her experiences in her porn life and her prostitution life sort of butting up against the real life here, right? Like she's trying to have, some kind of relationship. I don't know if it's good or healthy or weird or what. Like Corey Stoll is is sort of playing like a weird sociopath in th- this episode, I think. But it's not being portrayed that way in the show. It's it's sort of like this is everything that Eileen needs. Someone who will just see her for who she actually is, not who she was. Like, but but Eileen is very defensive about this, and with good reason, right? She explains to him like oh, you might just be the guy who wants to fuck the porn chick. Right. Because she had that experience last year at the premiere of Red Hot. Like, th- she she very much is speaking from experience when she says that. And Corey Stoll's reactions, to me, are strange. Like, when someone tells you, look, I, you know, I shoot porn for a living. I used to be a prostitute. I don't think the proper reaction is no reaction. Mm-hmm. I think the proper reaction is some reaction. Uh, or, or the realistic human reaction is something, mm-hmm. but he 
it, it almost doesn't even register in his face at all or in his brain what she has just said to him. And it doesn't have to be like a, a relationship ending thing or a night ending thing, but it doesn't it doesn't mean nothing, right? Yeah, no, I I I completely understand what you're saying. And I was trying as you're talking, I'm trying to square the circle for what we know from him because he we also know that he was at this like very swinging you know, center of nightlife and crime life and intersection of a lot of different things at uh, on New Year's Eve. And he had uh, disengaged from a woman and it made it seem like that because she wasn't classy enough or she was mm-hmm. not his type or and that's how they met. And now she tells him like there's like all this thing where she's like, I'm going to punch you in the face with my past. And he doesn't blink. And then she's like, oh, uh, it's not just that I shoot porn. I also was a porn star. Mm-hmm. Doesn't blink. Uh, not only is a porn star, it's also uh, a prostitute from a very young age. Still, no reaction. <laughs> yeah. And because I, so I, th- halfway through the episode, I think, well, this is the guy who thinks he's enlightened and he thinks he's able to deal, but they showed enough of his kind of like maybe prudishness or whatever that's going to be a problem later. He's going to be the guy that lures her into thinking that this is normal and safe and accepted. But then they got to the scene where it's with his friends and mm. not like he like nobody at the table. Everybody was like, you know, curious, like if you you know, like if she said, I'm a rock climber or, you know, I'm a war correspondent, they'd have a million questions. But it wasn't, you know, judgy or anything like that. No, I didn't feel like his friends were judgy or anything. But also it's maybe it's like it's the other thing about this career is like. Try to think of like you're sitting there with like a liberal, well-educated, wealthy crowd, and you say, "I'm in femme erotica." Mm-hmm. They might think, "Oh, like these," tr- like you, they might think, "Oh, she's a trust fund baby, and she like went to an all-women's college, and she got a bunch of ideas about how to change the world." And like that, that like that would be a respectable way to get to that path. And if they actually found out that she's actually, mm-hmm. you know, a prostitute turned uh, porn star turned porn director who kind of got woke and started making this feminist porn like that they would look down on that i that's the stuff that i'm kind of up in the air about but i feel you yeah. it's a weird performance it was just a weird dynamic the whole date that they were on at the beginning like it's almost like he expected every disclosure he uh-huh. was like he was like ready for it like, like he'd yeah, done his know, research I, 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 saw, I saw this all in your file <laughs> right which is even creepier somehow i looked at your haircut your fur coat your jewelry and uh, and uh, I, I sherlocked holmes the fact that you're a, a femme femme porn erotica director there was also something else in that date where i, I think this is just the 80s and and high-powered people in the 80s but it felt extraordinarily exploitative at some point like she because hmm. he says i'm not worried about your past i'm just worried about tonight and she said she seems to be charmed by that but then she says like i think the wine's making me loopy or whatever and he says well in that case and he pours her a whole nother glass and it's like Right. Ooh, okay. I don't know if that flies on a date in 2019. Is this just an <laughs> right. 80s thing, or are they trying to tell me something about this guy? And I can't. It's it's hard because the lines are blurred with these period pieces. Well, and they also have like so he. We know because of where he lives and what he does and his money. We know that he is in like this big charging Wall Street kind of financier. I don't know thing. Yeah. And we also see how weird that culture is. Like, you know, you watch Wolf of Wall Street, you look at some of these, like, porn parties that these guys are having, and you're like, I mean, at least I do. I always think it's like, man, how does anyone think this is fun as, like, an every night lifestyle thing? (laughs) Sure. You know what I mean? Like, 
I, I I I don't even know that I could get into the frame of like this is like you fun for like in like you know like a hey uh, we're gonna cut loose once in a while or it's a bachelor party so let's get as debauched as fucking let's let's Tom Hanks it up bachelor party it up but like these guys doing it on the reg it's just like it's 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 just such a weird way to look at people and relationships and mm-hmm. and and objectifying everything and everyone are we supposed to understand that like going back to your psychopath uh, theory <laughs> is like Corey Stoll just like old and mature enough to know that like hey i gotta keep to have successful relationships with other people i have to keep this stuff under wraps but that's really what's exciting to me and that's why i'm going after eileen and i don't i don't know i don't know either and that's the thing it's like these guys these people are very very effective storytellers so like the ambiguity if it's there probably is intentional yeah i'm i'm figuring out this guy as eileen is yeah Um, there's a couple funny scenes where, uh, you know, she's talking to Harvey, um, about, you know, cause he, this guy is very much into, um, film and she points out the con, you know, the contrast between his aspirations and what he actually is calls him a fucking sellout. They mm-hmm. look like they're going to have a, f- a fallout and which is funny. Cause I thought she was about to storm out and then he weasels her into directing some truly uninspired porn scenes yeah. that she spices up with some like ridiculous fake french uh i i that, that whole turns scene. it into a comedy i mean they're cracking up behind the camera yeah and i i also realized midway through the scene that the uh the blonde the french maid is actually frankie's wife she's still doing oh yeah she's huh. not she i thought that she last episode she retired to be in kind of like frankie's you know uh housewife but she's mm-hmm. still uh, out there uh out there hustling okay um but yeah there's such oh you have such a big croissant frankie gonna start making his own videos so we talked about how like wholesome it was that he borrowed uh-huh. the audio video cassette stuff just to film his family. <laughs> I think this episode, that's probably not the only thing. Yeah. And you might be right that there might be some mix ups between like what, who gets the family tape and who gets the porno tapes. And I can see it because in that scenario, you'd have the porn director yeah. and the porn star trying to make a real, real video mm-hmm. And I can just see like Frankie trying to direct her, her being what? too like fakey porn star during yeah. the video. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just this, you know, comedy of errors right. that is them trying to film a real, real porn. But he can't like I, I imagine if Frankie can't see these like very average, dowdy, not particularly well lit, attractive couple having sex and it's selling hotcakes. He's like, you know, fuck it. I'm mm-hmm. portrayed by a very handsome man, and my wife is a very stacked, handsome woman fuck, we'll just start doing this ourselves. And like, he's carrying these yeah. things around in paper bags and some, you know, it's like, he, it's one of those paper bags uh, gets mixed up with the Stromboli's taken to his dad and hilarity right. ensues. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we covered pretty much everything. Um, but I don't know. There's also some sweet things with Hank. Like, you know, I thought the scene where he says you have an actual glow is kind of was 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 kind of sweet and like leans into the fact that like Maggie Gyllenhaal does kind of have mm-hmm. you know camera loves her as uh, uh, the season or episode one pointed out. I want to move to the police side for a bit and talk about Detective Chris and his. This is very well worn Simon territory, uh, mm-hmm. going after the money, going going. This this is uh, this this is the the boring police work of going through filings, going through taxes, going through insurance things, and trying to figure out who the fuck owns these shady shady buildings. Yeah. Um. And there's this throughout this episode, kind of the, the, the point we're talking about before about um, 
you know, Rudy being a nice guy versus the ruthless gangsters. There's a lot of like these not so subtle discussions of like capitalism today because like Gene, they're talking about like, you know, why has anyone gone after this, this property before? And Gene's like, you know, in our society's property is sacred, mm-hmm. but now we have even more wealthy, uh, well-connected people coveting the property. So suddenly, you know, the gloves are, are off. If we can find out who owns this stuff, we're going to start leaning on them because we got this beautiful revolving restaurant hotel and we don't want all this shit, not classing it up. Yeah. Um, so they're doing, and it's it. They they have a scene where Chris is having dinner with this undercover cop Jennifer, who last was seen expertly taking down this wolf pack in the subway. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I almost think that we've seen her in a previous season. And I also don't really know what Chris's romantic situation is because I know. He's had some relationships. I thought he was married last season that, you know, him and the guy that uh, ended up committing suicide were having dinner with their wives. And like if he's stepping out on his wife here or if they've hit the splits because, you know, he's a dedicated cop or or what. But the meat of the scene is her suggesting some extra legal ways, yeah. some some shortcuts. Like he, he, his mind goes to, you know, there's a couple of fires. Maybe I can get the fire marshal to put some pressure on the, uh, with some fire regulation. She's like, or just have him say they're arson. And now it's a criminal investigation. You start subpoenaing people. Mm-hmm. Where, it, where will that go? Uh, I mean, we know where it ends up. It ends up with, uh, you know, the, the redevelopment of Times Square. Right. <laughs> so like, it, there's no real mystery there, but Big yeah, it's seeing how it's done, I think is interesting. And the, you know, the, it, it's weird because I, I don't think anybody wants the deuce. Anybody wanted the deuce to stay the way it was other than the people cashing in on it. Right. Right. And so like when you say, okay, people are going to come in and they're going to clean it up. It's going to be a safer place for everybody. It's going to be, uh, a nicer place like but people are still going to cash in on it. it's just different people i i start to go okay well who's who's the real victim who's the real winner here like clearly the development people are the winners we've seen from the history of the thing i was more but like one of the things that they like to do is like these cops like losing their way you know and like where do they go uh-huh. from like you know legally going after criminals and e- illegally and chris has always been kind of a straight guy like you know yeah, yeah. fairly by the books you know uh refuse to buy in the corruption and are we starting to see like his kind of fall and what does that you know like like there's something that that's one of the things that they always make in the point of these shows is like the, the real enemy is like money and corruption. Mm-hmm. And like when you have a righteous guy like Chris willing to bend the rules to take down people. And there's a little bit of that echoed with Abby and Loretta's debate about, yep. you know, free speech versus women against porn. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious to see where this goes, where this goes for Chris. Yeah. And is he going to realize, you know, how far from his values he's gone Yeah, at the end of this? Right. And like, you know, like, I, I wonder if one of the points is the, you know, he's in, he, he wants to clean up Times Square, but you're going to find out that like, you know, the people that own Times Square are as dangerous and yeah. as bad for society in their own way as the pimps and the prostitutes and mm-hmm. the drug dealers uh, would not be surprising to find that out. Hey, before we uh, go further, I want to talk about club.baldmove.com. If you like what we do here at Bald Move and crucially, you want more. You, you, it's 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 not just the the public facing stuff. It's it's not enough for you. 
you, you, you got to delve deeper than do I have a proposition for you? Club.baldmove.com. Not only do you get ad-free feeds, not only do you get VIP access to our forums at forums.baldmove.com, but we're also running a series we like to call the Empire Business, where Jim and I talk about different facets of running a podcast startup. Uh, last week, we took a look at the club itself and how it's doing financially and some of the new initiatives we're thinking of doing. Uh, and this week, we're talking about our uh, plans uh, to bring the, to try to reintroduce the commission system, which is wildly successful, is actually a victim of its own success. We <laughs> we we it collapsed under the weight of us not being able to keep up with the demand. Uh, we got some plans on that. If that's interesting to you, if that's the kind of stuff that you would like to get a little bit extra information on, please support us by joining the club. Club.baldmove.com. Join today. Uh, shall we go to West Coast for a bit and talk about Lori? Uh, unless you want to stick East Coast and talk about Paul. All right, I can do that a little bit because. I I think, man, his is probably the most heart most heart wrenching of the stories. I think, yeah, uh, especially when you combine what you see in the episode with the sort of like inside the episode uh, afterward, and you get the writers talking about how very personal this is to them, right? Them having been in the the acting scene in New York, yeah, the writer that was like getting choked up talking about yeah. thirty five years ago, you and know? I get it, like it's well, I, I can't get it, I can't get it, like viscerally in my gut the way right. he does but like d- thinking about it i understand like when 10 of your friends drop dead mm-hmm. in the span of two years that has to have some huge effect on you and mm-hmm. and i i found the way that you know he he approached like trying to salvage a, just a little bit of humor from it um while also trying not to make light of it you know and how yeah, they're nice. like p- people were dealing with it in a lot of different ways and they showed yeah. like you know the like kind of straight hysteria um portrayed by Bobby but they also showed like you know Paul who seems like he's trying to stay informed Mm -hmm. but they don't really know and you know he's kind of in denial about his boyfriend dying and his boyfriend's not he's like hey I I I think he kind of realizes I I have this you know kind of short time and I want to make as big as impact and burn as bright as I can and Paul's like hey you know we got to take care of our bodies we have to save ourselves and Paul also like he said something about like I just assume that I have it um, implying that, you know, even though Paul is preaching safe sex and stuff, probably not practicing that within his own relationship. Yeah, it was surprising to me, I guess, the way they talked about, um, you know, just the, the level of knowledge about HIV and its transmission and all right. that stuff in the, the after show thing. Because I guess I assumed that people knew a lot more about it at that point. But, you know, I... I was what three years old at that right. point, so I didn't right. know anything about it. Right. But I guess like Paul is not, yeah, he's not doing, you know, acting very normally because he knows more than most people. Mm-hmm. He's just acting normally, I guess, because he values, you know, what him and Todd have together. Mm-hmm. And and he, regardless of what it costs him, he doesn't want to lose that. Well, but uh, there's also something to like Paul at his club saying that, Hey, you got to stay informed, make sure everyone's using condoms. He doesn't appear to have the virus, but he just assumes he has it because, you know, like he's preaching that everyone should, because we don't know anything. We should always take precautions, but he's living as, you know, like a very risky and like, I, it's, it's tempting to say that, like, because I know that was the narrative at the time, you know, that, like, oh, this is a gay disease and they're bringing it upon themselves because look at how they do these sex clubs and it's all a bunch of promiscuous. But, like, you know, Paul <laughs> would is, is, like, the other side of that where it's, like, he knows better, but he's not because he's got his reasons, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also, like, the scene with Melissa and the... Uh, 
uh, the gay uh, guy to ask her to smoke a bowl with them where he's like, um, you know, obviously he's like the one he, he's got this 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 priceless kind of cultural artifact of Diana Ross's uh, uh, gown that she wore to his award show. And he's like, it's one upside to all your friends dropping dead. Some dark fucking humor in that scene, man. It is, but it shows. And then you also have like Gene, the closeted gay guy, go into this thing and like, uh, you know, and I'm like, wow, this is actually... I'm surprised that he is still doing this kind of risky stuff, but then they make it a point that he's going, he's he's making sure that there's condoms involved. He's like, yeah. bit, so it just kind of shows like all the different kind of reactions that that people can have to this, and it felt, I don't know, it felt very, uh, very real and visceral uh, to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, I I'm, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be heart wrenching to watch uh, Paul go through this season. <laughs> yeah, man. Do we want let's you know let's 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 wrap up the East Coast before we go to the West Coast. Uh there's an Abby Loretta Shea plot. Mm-hmm. Um Abby and Loretta are like, you know, the Magneto and Professor X of uh the uh crusade against uh sex work, or I guess to like Abby wants to reform it or make it educated and like less brutal, and like Loretta just wants to put a stop to it. Mm-hmm. Um and then Shea's caught in the middle. Uh, I don't, what is Shay's deal? Is Shay have AIDS? Is Shay just dying because she's got a whole bunch of infections? Yeah, she, she could have HIV. I, I think like she had so many health issues that I think like maybe her immune system was compromised. So they, they could have been leaning that direction, but like, and it would make sense, I guess, in that moment to sort of show, look, this is not just a gay thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it affects, it does affect people outside of those communities. So Sure. Um, it's a nice payoff to like, you know, we know that Abby, when she found out she's got all this like mob money flowing in that she's yeah. been like, she never succumbed to temptation. She's been taking these envelopes, taking them right to the clinics yes. and able to use that clout to lean on an institution to get her friend help. And, um, and the moment, the moment at the end that they just leave it on Shay being gone yeah, is, is a perfect moment. I mean, you didn't need to do any more that says everything. You don't need to have show Abby breaking down crying. It's just her standing there with flowers. Her friend is not there. And you don't know. She could Done. have died. She could have gotten well enough to be like, fuck this place. I'm out. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I think I, I have an opinion. Certainly what happened in that scene. What's your but opinion? She's dead. Oh, really? Because I thought yeah. she's she's just gone. Okay. I think she's dead. I feel like if she died, someone had called Abby. Because this is not like just some random Maybe. junkie prostitute that no one gives a shit to walk out of the street. This is like the but friend how, of their benefactor. You, but this is 85. Like, how do you find Abby? Call how do you cell get a hold phone. of her? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> she took a little bit of her envelopes and uh, right. that Rudy money got and got, it, got a Rudy cell phone. And she's got legitimate business. <laughs> she's not dirty like Rudy. She does her business out in this. So she's, she's just got a cell phone. Right. Um. But yeah, so you th- I I I kind of think it's the it's it's one of this... Um, you know, Shay's like this wounded animal that is like as soon as she's back, ready to be back on her feet, she's ready to flee into the night to because she's living life on her own terms. Christ, and I hope she's not back out on the street. She's not healthy enough. She's really uh, and like her walking into the bar asking for Rodney, who's mm-hmm. been dead for five years. That was an amazing scene. Like she does such a good job in that scene. Yeah, uh, I don't know the actor's name, but she's incredible in that scene and the, like the fact that like they we known this character for 10 years and we just found out her real name yeah um, lila which that's 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 the, the, that's the reason i think that she's still alive because that's always been seen as kind of like uh 
a defining character moment for these these women. That like when you get to know their real name, that's when they kind of do it. Now it doesn't always turn out well for them. Right. I mean, this could be the tragic Dorothy, moment. Yeah. Like we found out her name, and then well, she's gone. Right. But I I kind of think that maybe there's uh again I'm not saying it's going to end well, but maybe <laughs> that she's going to try to to do something different with her life. But we'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, talking about Bobby and his boy, I guess Bobby is just a joke in this, you know, he finds out that he probably doesn't have HIV and he's probably going to go plow on a whole bunch of strange pussy again. Cause that's right. what he does. There's another, this is another, like, you know, uh, light touch on critique of capitalism where the, 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 the working girls themselves are like, what do you do around here? Mm-hmm. We're hustling our pussy. Uh, black Frankie's driving us around providing protection and you're just taking one stack of money and handing it to us and taking some for yourself and he's like like i don't i don't have the time to explain management to you because mm. bobby is not a great manager either isn't that what bobby's kid is doing too effectively I, so bobby stacks of money and hand them to other people i you're you're right and he's trying to like i think it's interesting uh because he tries to get uh a black frankie involved too because you know yeah. he goes to his dad's like hey i need some girls because we're going to do this party and then he has this pitch to Hey, like, imagine if the price went up and we're all found ways to get extra money. Mm-hmm. But how did Bobby's kid get in this situation? Because he dropped out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I guess, assumed all these Wall Street guys, the one thing they had in common are probably Ivy League colleges and, you know, Old Boys Network. Like, how are they ever going to explain how he was able? Maybe that's his in that he's able to ply these guys with drugs and women. Uh, he was them in there, hook up and connect. Yeah. But now he's like dressing like them. He's got the weird Wall Street like uniform. Well, I think on. he works on the trading floor, doesn't he? Does he? Yeah, I think he said something about the floor, which I took to mean like Wall Street. Okay. Um, yeah. And like actually in the business. Because I think I, also that's one of the one ways you can kind of work your way up if you're actually yeah. one of those guys screaming and yelling and throwing paper around on the floor. Like mm-hmm. I don't think you need a education for that, and maybe you can work into the. I, I don't know. I. Yeah, I don't know exactly how it works. I have seen The Pursuit of Happiness. I was going to say, that guy, as many movies as I've seen yeah. depicting Wall Street and trading, I still don't know what the fuck. <laughs> Boiler Room. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, uh, Color Money. Wall Street, yeah, it's all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still don't know how it fucking works. I don't know how <laughs> I don't know how money is made by yelling and screaming on these floors with ticker tapes all around. Trades, but, man. Yeah. Trades. Uh, so I don't know. I what what's what? Where are they going with Bob, Bobby and his? Where, where are they going with Bobby's boy? I don't even know the guy's name. He's Bobby's boy. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I mean, clearly he's going to try and set this up as a side business, right? He's another one of those guys that are like you know dying of uh, starvation. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's a him and Frankie and uh, like we're going to talk about Lori. They're all you know some degree of willing to do things that um are kind of beyond the pale to get to get ahead um at least temporarily so. yeah and i think what happens to him or, or around him in this episode is a bad omen i mean mm-hmm. he he you know brings this guy from from wall street into the club uh into Vincent's club mm-hmm. and the guy gets all pissed off when his, his money gets a hundred bucks gets stolen. Like this is nothing to this guy. I, I love that he, he passes around a mirror full of Coke. That's probably uh-huh. a couple hundred dollars, but, he but it's gets... not his Coke, right? It's Bob, it's Bobby's kid's Coke. Ah, uh, but so the, he doesn't that... give a shit about that. Okay. It's not, but his hundo, he right. wants to, to beat it out of somebody. Yeah. And then the kid goes and he, and I'm calling him a kid cause he has a baby face, but he's, you know, probably an adult. Uh, he goes and he calls the cops and busts uh-huh. up Vincent's club 
that is a bad omen for a guy who's doing some illicit business with these types of people. Yeah. Like these people who at even the slightest, um, at the, at the perceived slight, uh, to their, their, you know, egos or whatever will, will break you up, will destroy you or, right. or try to. Yeah. Just cat just because he didn't get his way. Yeah. He's going to burn a whole place down. And uh, they also show, I think they're trying to say there's a, there's a turf war within the cops. Between uh-huh. so like you've had the dirty cops that were taking money from the mob and from bar owners and whatever to look the other way. But like yeah. is Chris and his brand a new type of dirty cop? Because he's doing <laughs> they're not policing I mean, the yeah. law for its own sake. There's money behind them mm-hmm. like this pad like like this. Clearly, these laws that shut down these clubs seem clearly catering towards the people that want to turn uh, 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 Times Square into something respectable. Yeah. And like we're, you know, rough, you know, broadly speaking, societally, we're on their side because we like that and we don't like prostitution. We like, you know, money and, you know, respectability and clean streets and we don't like drugs, but it's still using money to 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 get your to do to do what you want to do in the in, in, with the protection or the lack of oversight of the law i mm-hmm. thought that was kind of interesting too that like the dirty cops like hey i don't own i don't these guys aren't my guys so yeah um but they're not they're they're not untouchable they're not elliot ness either uh i think we're ready to talk about Lori. yeah let's um Lori is so tragic because she escaped this terrible pimping situation with cc and it's so clear that she's traded this predatory guy for a team of predatory people that are still don't give a shit about Lori Mm -hmm. and her well-being but just want to extract the maximum value from her body um and then they will discard her when they're done yeah what is it worth i i I looked at these this scene where you know kiki and Lori sit down and they kiki basically says like she she's saying like this is all good for you like you need to get out there get more high profile but what's it worth why why mm-hmm. like if your goal is to just make more money i guess this is a path to do it but you need to understand that you have a very limited window yeah uh to do that in and that once you are not seen as valuable you will be discarded yeah and i, I and can... these people do not care what status you are in when that happens and i can clearly see when it happens kiki's going to wash her hands of it and say hey i told her to set aside some money and i told her she didn't do it she put it all up her nose and like you know Mm -hmm. it's cluck cluck because it is kind of bullshit like kiki can't help her transition to a straight career she doesn't know anybody she could call doesn't know any agency that she's got some kind of pull with like there's not some hollywood agent that kind of like slums with the porn agent to just you know for the excitement of swapping stories no, she doesn't want to do that because that wouldn't help Kiki. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, Kiki's there trying to give her quote unquote good advice for her career so she can, you know, at the end of the day say that she's better than guys like Cece. I think it's even interesting that their Kiki and Cece have a very like very phonetically similar names too. And then her fucking okay. I don't yeah. uh I forget the name of her agent, pimp, I don't know what this guy, the guy that drives a Mercedes around, but that whole yeah. scene in the beginning like, who's he doing that for? Like grabbing his cock and being like, "Oh, this is, like this is the pep talk." It clearly is not affecting her or motivating her. Like, what the? F- but again, like you know, yeah. he, at, when when she's used up, he's going to want to stand aside and say, "Hey, man, I tried to give her good advice and I tried to build her up," and it's it's just really depressing, um, especially yeah. since 
you first see the L.A. porn scene, you think, oh, this is so much better than New York, and then the corn cobs come out. <laughs> right. So, I don't know. And then at the end, like, that's the other thing. It's like, even if uh, outside the corn cob and the things that they're making her do that are, you know, pushing her limits, there's also the fact that maybe, like, are she going to get paid with a check that bounces because she can't cash it till tomorrow? I don't know, man. Great line. Well, mm-hmm. I sucked a dick today. <laughs> and then the cops come because all this stuff is as glitzy and as out in the open as it is. It's still fucking illegal. So the cops come and they're shutting it all down. And now Lori's trying to scramble with everything and head off into the hills. Yeah. To fight coyotes. Uh, it's 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 depressing. But uh, what are you going to do? Anything else we want to talk about? No, I think we're good. We have a smattering of feedback. Shall we consider that? Oh, I know what one is going to be. Who who's who? What a dozen wrote, who got in first? Yeah, uh, Fred B. Okay, Fred B. Thank you for writing in to correct us uh, about Greenwich. Yeah, apparently being Connecticut, where all the rich Wall Street financier yeah. types live, uh, I hadn't heard about that. But. Yeah, apparently it's uh, so. If you want to send feedback, it's TV at baldmove.com. You can also get on forums, forums.baldmove.com. But as as my counterpoint has pointed out, we got a lot of feedback about that. And yes, Greenwich is essentially the first uh, town in Connecticut over the border. It's considered a suburb of New York City, and it's known for gated mansions and estates um, and one of the most prestigious suburbs of New York City, even though it's not in New York's New York. Um, So thank you. You were the first uh, that sent us to that, Fred, uh, and we appreciate it. Uh, Calvillan pointed out something that blew my mind. Hey, long time no speak, guys. Just writing to see if you guys were aware that Bobby's kid from last year's season was played by Michael Gandolfini. No idea how I didn't notice this at the time, as he looks like the spinning image of his dad. <laughs> Maybe he'll be missing this year due to filming in Newark. Um, I did not know that, but yeah, as soon as someone says it, it's like, oh, of course he is. Right. A fucking course he is. <laughs> um, I'm actually kind of impressed that I've been, you know, I got through all of last season without being come, becoming aware of that. Like, a lot of times when... You know, let's say a daughter of Meryl Streep uh, gets on a show. It feels like that's all anyone can ever talk about. Uh, Michael here is keeping a, I feel like a low profile and and more power to you. Yeah, I I honestly didn't even recognize that he was Bobby's kid in the first scene that he was in Mm. in the club. I did because I like mm. I feel like he's got like a particularly dopey face. For sure, I just I wasn't thinking about it, and then yeah. I realized like two scenes in, oh shit! The, the, my first note, my first notes, I looked. It's like Bobby's kid? Question mark? And then two <laughs> scenes later, definitely Bobby's kid. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a little bit of stealth, but yeah. Um, the late great uh, James Gandolfini mm-hmm. lives on, and his son Michael. Did you say he also is a has done writing as well? No, no, no. Okay, I got confused in our pre-podcast talk. Okay. Maybe he has, but I don't know of it. Um, that is our feedback for this week. You can send more into TV at baldmove.com as we consider the Deuce. Uh, we'll be back next week for the third episode of the final season of Deuce. Glad to have you along with us. Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. See ya. <laughs>